Father, what a wonderful day this is that we've come to worship you and to celebrate life that we have in Christ. We thank you, Father, that uh, you were raised from the dead and that you live right now, eternally, all around us and desire to live in us as well. Thank you, Father, for Sharon's testimony. Thank you for this amazing music. And we pray now that you would open our hearts and that you would open our, our souls and you would open our ears to hear the word of God. We pray that the word of God would go forth and be among us and in us and around us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, how many had a great time in the Easter egg hunt? Okay. And uh, let's thank Pastor Barb and her team for that amazing job that she did. It was great. And, uh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> and how about uh, the food? How was the food? Yeah, get back. It was great. Well, uh, my friend uh, Bruce says that I'm twisted. And uh, now I don't know about that. I, I know sometimes I feel like. Uh, my life's kind of in that direction, but I also feel that the world around me is kind of messed up. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's the world around me. Uh, there's some things I just don't understand. Let me explain that. Um, why is it that doctors call what they do practice? Okay, I'm not sure I, I, I want that, you know. And, and why is it that to stop Microsoft Windows, you have to click on start? I've never figured that either. Why is it that lemon juice is made with artificial flavor, but dishwashing liquid is made with lemon juice? I don't understand that either. Why is the man who invests all your money called a broker? You know, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Why is the time of the day with the slowest traffic called rush hour? Why isn't there a mouse-flavored cat food? You ever thought of that? Why do they sterilize the needle for lethal injections? Why don't you ever see a headline that says, Psychic Wins Lottery? <laughs> Why are there Braille pads that drive up ATMs? I've never been able to figure that one out either. And finally, why is it that women can't put on mascara with their mouths closed? You know, I, I know, I know. I, there, there's some things I just don't understand. And here's another one. Why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ such a big deal? Now, for some people, it's a religious phenomenon. It's something that they've experienced personally. That's good. But for others, they don't really know why we've made such a big deal out of the resurrection. Now, believe it or not, we have made a big deal out of it. Our calendar is divided based on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. A.D., B.C. Every time you write a check with a name on it, you are really dating from that time that Jesus was on earth. Every time you have a birthday, your birthday is dated from the time that Jesus was on this earth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe, is a very big deal. And uh, when you think about that, I, I want to think for a minute about an if-then relationship. For instance, if Jesus rose from the dead, then what? So here's what I'd like to share with you this morning. 
If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then we can begin again. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then we can begin again. I want to look at the Easter story from the Bible just for a moment. Now, most of you that have been around the Bible or around church in your life, you kind of know the story. It started, of course, on Good Friday when Jesus was crucified on the cross. And then he was uh, entombed and touching three days later on Sunday morning, uh, a group of women that were followers of Jesus came to the tomb to see if they could put some spices on his dead body. When they got there, they found that the tomb, which was, had a large stone in front of it, the stone had been rolled away, Jesus was gone, and two angels appeared, appeared and said, He is not here, He is risen. They were amazed and stunned at this great news. In fact, so much so that they started to go out and spread all that news through all over Jerusalem, telling the other disciples, did you know that Jesus is alive? Telling other people that were on the road, did you know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And everybody was amazed at that, but not all of the disciples were in Jerusalem. There were two disciples that were about seven miles from Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus. And these two men, as they were walking, felt this deep sense of pain, this deep sense of longing because their Savior, their Lord, the one they had put all of their uh, life into, Jesus Christ, was dead. Hopeless. They had no reason to dream anymore. They didn't know what to do. As they were walking along and sharing this sad news, they didn't know that Jesus was alive. But when they were walking along, Jesus Christ, as a resurrected Jesus, came next to them and started walking with them. And when he was walking with them, uh, they didn't recognize him at all, and so he started telling them from the Old Testament that Jesus Christ really came in order to save you from your sins. That Jesus Christ came, and yes, he would even be raised from the dead. And as he was saying these things, these two men still didn't know or recognize who he was. So let me pick that up from Luke 24 and read you a couple of verses. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them, and here's what happened. Jesus sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed and broke and gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Weren't our hearts burning within us? These two men, along with all of the other disciples, and literally hundreds of millions of people since, have discovered that in Jesus Christ, because he is alive, we can live again. These two men now had their dreams intact. They had their hope intact. They discovered that they can win again. I wonder how many of us here this morning have lost hope about life. Maybe our dreams have been shattered. Maybe things have just not gone the way we want to. The good news for today is really clear, and it's this. You can begin again. You can begin again. When I was a boy, um, almost every Sunday after church, 
Uh, we, a bunch of us from all over where I lived in Southern California, we gather at a park, Nancy Jane Park, and we play tackle football. Now, these are kids mostly from 12 to 18 years of age, and we go over there and we knock each other senseless and have a great time. But when you know when you're playing pickup football, you're always kind of making the rules on the run, right? You know, so if the, if the football pops, well, you have to do something else. There was always something else that was going on. If you ran into a ditch, that was out of bounds. If the ball hit a car, you took it over. If, it hit a, if the ball hit a power line, you did a do-over. How many of you remember from kids from when you were a child the famous do-over clause? Now, some of you as adults use it in golf. That's not fair. <laughs> okay. But the do-over clause was awesome. Um, you know, if you went up to kick the ball off and you kind of whiffed it and it just went six inches, do-over. You know, if you tripped over a sprinkler, uh, do-over. Uh, one time I tackled a kid from behind and accidentally pulled his pants down. And when he fell down, he said, do-over. I've never heard of a pants do-over, but we had one there that day. But I love the idea of a do-over. Wouldn't it be cool if we could reach back into childhood and if we had adult do-overs? Wouldn't it be amazing if we had a second chance in life? All of us have things that have happened to us that we'd say, we just kind of cringe and say, oh God, if only I had a do-over. I remember as a freshman in college, um, I was in this calculus class, and I thought that there was this girl that was really cute. Now, I know what you're thinking. Cute girls in calculus class, yes, it does exist. It does. And because uh, uh, nerds can be cute as well. And I thought this girl was really cute. And so I was a very shy kid, but I went over and I, I, I screwed up my courage, and I asked her out on a date. I said, I was very smooth. I said, would you kind of like to go out with me or go to get some tea or a meal or something? And she said, no, thank you. And man alive, as I was walking back, skulking back to my seat, I was asking for a do-over. Oh, how much I wanted a do-over. You've had those kind of experiences, too. And then another time, my sophomore year of college, I just, my dad helped me purchase, uh, I could pay the monthly payments, I still remember it, $52.17 for a 1967 Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, was that car cool. 50 horsepower, you know, just, just a monster, right? And this is the age of, of monster cars, right, 60s. But I had the 67 Volkswagen. I had this really cool four-track stereo, which four-track stereos were out for about six weeks until the eight-track stereo came out. But I had this, and it was so cool. And on the back of my car, because I really love God, I wanted to, I wanted to declare, I wanted to represent, I put a sticker on my car, honk if you love Jesus. Okay, now, here's, a, here's a, a health tip. If you put a sticker like that in your car, remember that it's on your car. Okay? So I'm driving to school, totally forgotten I put that on. Somebody comes up behind me and starts honking their horn. And as a good, cool, 19-year-old kid, I look in my mirror and kind of grimace at him like, what are you doing honking at me? And he keeps it up. Finally, God's truth, I give him the one-finger salute. And as he's driving by... He's going, bumper sticker, like that. Oh, I wish I had a do-over so badly, so badly. But maybe our do-overs today as adults are more serious. Uh, maybe for some of you, a marriage has failed. Or your children have gotten off the rails. 
or you were fired from your job, or you're upside down in your mortgage. Or maybe you just wake up some mornings and you think to yourself, you know what, life is just not what I thought it would be. When I was a teenager, when I was in college, when I seemed to, everything seemed to be great, life just isn't what I thought it would be. And maybe you say to yourself, I just wish I had a do-over. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome as adults if we could begin again? There's a couple of times in our lives when we want to begin again. One time is when we've sinned big, and all of us have done that. Uh, would anybody like to stand up and share a testimony? No, I, I didn't think so. So we, we sin big, and we say, oh, if I only had a do-over. Uh, I had a, a, a terrible um, experience when I was um, a pastor in Minnesota. I, I got involved in a, I was an addictive personality, and I got involved in uh, gambling. And for two and a half years, I was deceitful to my family, to my church, and I got involved in this, and I got so deep involved in it. And I remember when I finally confessed to Sherry and my counselor and to my church that I had been lying to them and deceiving them, I remember thinking, oh man, if only I had a do-over. If only there was a chance for a grown-up like me to have a do-over. Sometimes we just sin big and we say, God, I need your help. I need to do over. Other times it's because we fail. Uh, maybe some of you haven't experienced that. Most of us have. We have failed in some way. We have tried something and it hasn't worked out. And we say, I just, I just wish I had a do over. I had a friend in Denver who went to law school. And he's a smart kid and went through law school and didn't have any problem. And then when he got out, uh, he tried the bar exam once and then twice, and then three times. And finally, after six times, he was told by the board, you know, why don't you think about doing something different in life? Can you imagine after going to law school and pouring all of your money and your time and your investment into that, somebody telling you, you know what, you're a failure. You're just not going to make it. Maybe we as adults feel like the psalmist felt after he failed. He said in Psalm 19.13, God, clean the slate so that we can start the day fresh. Don't you wish sometimes we could start the day fresh? Well, here's the good news. April 24th, 2011, Easter morning at Tumbleweed Park, 78.3 degrees. God allows do-overs. God allows do-overs. You can begin again. Like these two followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus, even though their dreams were dead and their hope was dead, they felt that life was not worth living. They came to believe that there was a second chance. And because Jesus is alive, we too can have that second chance. We can have that do-over. We can begin again. The Bible says that those two men had their eyes opened and they saw Jesus. They saw this guy that they saw dead just three days ago. They saw Jesus, and the Bible says that their hearts burned within them. They had a brand new day. They had a brand new beginning. And so can you, and so can I. Well, how do we get another chance? Let me just share with you a couple of steps from the Bible. The first step is this. Ask God for a second chance. Just ask God for a second chance. Here's some good news. He is waiting to be asked. 
Sometimes we think that God doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to know what our sins are. He already knows and he's already judged us. But the Bible says that as God is waiting to hear our confession, he is waiting to give us a second chance. Why don't we just ask? Well, for some of us here today, it might be that well, we just don't believe in God and therefore there'd be no reason to ask a God. But I think for many of us, we would say, I, I believe there's a God, there's a higher power, there's, there's someone up there. And well, I don't think I can ask because my sin is too big or my heart is too broken or I've made too much of a mess of my life or all kinds of reasons, guilt and regret. I have sinned too greatly. I don't deserve another chance. How many times have you said that to yourself? There's a, about 60, 70 years ago, uh, he wrote in the 1930s through the 1950s, a, uh, a Chinese theologian by the name of Watchman Nee wrote a book, The Normal Christian Life. And in that book, he made a statement for those of us that think, think we have sinned too big or our sin is not uh, redeemable. Our sin is not forgivable. Here's what Watchman Nee, nee said. He said, how dare you presume that your sin is bigger than the blood of Jesus. How dare you think that you have done something that is not covered and redeemed by the grace and mercy and love of God, Jesus Christ, who literally died for your sins on the cross. Every sin can be redeemed. Every life can be started over. Everyone can begin again with the love and the grace of God. The psalmist tells us that we have a new chance every morning. His mercies never end. Did you know that his mercy never ends? No matter how often you ask for his mercy, it never ends. I loved it. This morning we were here, a bunch of us were here setting up for the service. We got here at 6 o'clock, some even before as we were setting up the chairs, the sun began to rise in the horizon. And we kind of stopped for a minute and looked at that and said, yeah, sure enough, the sun rose again. Sure enough, it happened again. Now, my daughter, who lives in Portland, swears that the sun doesn't rise ever, you know, maybe three times a year in Portland. But here in Arizona, we know that the sun rises. And every time the sun rises, it is a promise, once again, that we can be forgiven, that we can have our sins taken care of, we can begin again. That's the promise of God's Word. So the first thing we can do is simply ask for another chance, ask for a do-over. The second thing we can do is, the second step to a new beginning, is to grow from our past mistakes. Now the Bible is full of people who made mistakes. In fact, Sharon or Scott said that outside of our church, which is over on Dobson between Pecos and Germain, uh, there's a sign that says, what, you say it with me. No perfect people allowed. Now, if you're new here today and you're perfect, you can stay right now, but you can't come to church next Sunday uh, because we don't allow perfect people in our church. And uh, it's amazing how imperfect we are. But here is this idea that we have to grow from our mistakes. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Moses. Um, again, if you've been around the Bible, we're talking about the, the Ten Commandments, Moses. The leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses, that man was a murderer. 
And that man, when God asked him to do a great work, said over and over again, I can't, I can't, I, I can't speak good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. He had all these excuses. And finally God said to him, listen, I'll be with you. So he took this broken man, Moses, made him into a prince of nations, even though he was a murderer. And even though he was someone who had no sense of, I can help or I can be something in God's sight, but God said, you can begin again, Moses. There's another guy, David. You know the David? The, uh, uh, the David Goliath David? The uh, King David David? That one? Well, he was also the committed adultery with Bathsheba David. And he was also the one that had broken the heart of God by his life. And when finally Nathan the prophet confronted him and said, listen, listen, you've got to take responsibility for your life. David went down on his knees and he asked God to forgive him. And God said that he created in him a man after his own heart. This is a man who was complicit in murder. This is a man who committed adultery. And God said, you can be a man after my own hope. Why? Because you can begin again. You can have a do-over, David. You can begin again. And then the Easter story. Again, you know the Easter story. Here we have Peter, the, uh, you might say, number one lieutenant of Jesus. He was the guy that was always stepping in front of the crowd and saying, make way for Jesus. He was the one that always had the big muscles and he always had the way to do things just right and well, then Jesus told him at the Last Supper that he was going to be, d- betray him. He was going to deny him three times before the rooster crowed. And Peter said, that'll never happen. I'll never deny you. But sure enough, after they took Jesus away from the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter was out in the praetorium, and three times someone said, aren't you that guy who follows Jesus? And three times he said, no, it's not me. Not me. The third time in the Bible says, he cursed at them and said, leave me alone. I don't know Jesus. After that, he just disappears. Now, Peter, we think, was probably looking at the cross when Jesus died for his sins. He was maybe in the shadows weeping, but uh, one thing we know is that he was a miserable failure. So fast forward. The resurrection takes place. And here, uh, a few days after the resurrection, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He is cooking breakfast for the disciples of Jesus Christ. I want you to be the number one guy when it comes to the church. Three times he said that. And the third time he said, Peter, do you really love me? Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. I know I failed you. I know I'm broken. I know I'm no good. But I feel you. But, but give me a second chance. A second chance? Jesus allowed Peter to be maybe the most, aside from the Apostle Paul, the most influential Christian that has ever lived. On the day of Pentecost, 40 days after the resurrection of Christ, Peter preached to a crowd of, of thousands and thousands of people and says that day 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus. That was a failure that God used. That was someone who needed and wanted and desired a second chance. Look, our mistakes, our brokenness, our hopelessness, they are ours and we feel them deeply. But we've got to learn to grow from our mistakes and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to try again. If you give me a second chance, I'm going to try again. But, but then there's one last step to beginning over again, and it's this. We must align with God's purposes. We must align our hearts. That's what Sharon was talking about, aligning her heart with God's purposes. We need to ask for a second chance. We need to grow from our past mistakes, and we need to align ourselves with God's purposes. Have you ever asked the question, how has my life gotten out of alignment? I ask it all the time. I probably ask that question every day. 
Well, I, I served a church. Uh, Sherry and I lived in uh, Minnesota for 10 years. How many of you are from Minnesota? See how smart you are? You're here today, right? Well, we lived in, we were in purgatory. I mean, we were in Minnesota for uh, 10 years. And uh, uh, the winters are cold there, if you haven't heard. And uh, I had a friend, a friend in my church at Roseville Covenant Church who owned a, um, he was a mechanic, and he owned a, uh, a shop where you get your cars repaired. And one day after church, we were talking, and he said, it was like in April, and he was saying, you know what, I love springtime. And I said, oh, me too, man, the flowers and budding on the trees, the, the birds are singing, the snow is melting. He said, no, 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 I don't love any of that. I hate that stuff. He said, what I love is potholes. I love, but now he's a mechanic, right? I said, why do you love potholes? He says, potholes are the number one cause of alignment problems in Minnesota. And so when people are hitting, and we don't, they don't really have potholes there. It's more like pot chasms. But if you hit one of those potholes in Minnesota, and you get it back in your car, and your car is wobbling like this, like an old, you know, washing machine, just kind of vibrating and wobbling. And there's something about hitting a pothole that gets us out of alignment with God. Now, for us, again, sins, brokenness, hopelessness, fear, loneliness, these are the potholes of our lives. And they will always throw us out of alignment with God. Always. Those two and a half years I told you about that I was, that I was involved in addictive gambling, I was constantly hitting potholes. And I was never realigning my life. Do you know why I wasn't realigning my life? Because I didn't want God to know what I was doing. Is that smart or what? I think God didn't know what I was doing. But I was afraid that if I would stop... Now, I still served as a pastor. I still got up and preached on Sunday. But in the quietness of my own heart, I would never pray. I would never read the Bible. Because I knew that if I did, I would have to realign my life. My true north is Jesus Christ. My alignment is aligning my heart with his heart. The things he loves, I want to love. The things he hates, I want to hate. I want my life to be lined up, be lined up with his. When I was, uh, those three years I was out of the pastoral ministry, I worked as a courier. And one day I heard a song on the radio, and it talked about rivers of mercy and oceans of grace. And I was so overcome with God saying to me, I'm going to give you a second chance. I had to pull the car over the side of the road. The tears came. The brokenness was there. And I said, God, is it true you're going to give me a second chance? Is it possible that I'll be able to be a pastor again? Is, is it possible that you can forgive me of my great sin? And God said to me over and over again, Dwayne, you can begin again. I'm going to give you a second chance. Well, how do you get realigned? This is wonderful. In Proverbs 28, there's this great verse that says this. People who cover over their sins, that was me, people who cover over their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. Isn't that beautiful? If you confess your sin and you forsake your sin, you will receive the mercy of God. I love that. I mean, how many times have we tried to cover over our sin? We don't want our wife to know or our husband. We don't want our kids to know. We keep it quiet in our own lives. But God knows. And God says that people who cover over their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. Those two words, confess and forsake. Confess means we don't need to go to a priest. 
The Bible says you can go directly to God because your high priest is Jesus Christ. You can confess your sin to Him. Now, the word confess means to agree with God that you have sinned. Agree with God that your life doesn't work. Agree with God that you are on the wrong path. God, I'm sorry. My life is out of alignment. Forgive me. And you know what? That's why He died on the cross. He will forgive you and He'll give you a brand new start. So that's confess. The second thing is forsake. Now, the word forsake means to give up. I looked it up on dictionary.com. Aren't you glad we don't have to pick up those big dictionaries anymore? Dictionary.com says forsake means to abandon the way. I love that. To abandon the way. The way I was going, the way I was traveling, hitting all of those potholes, never realigning my life with God. The way I was traveling, the Bible says forsake that way. Turn around. The word in the Bible for repentance means literally turn around. It means that I am walking towards myself, my desires, everything I want for me. Repentance means to turn around and walk towards God. To walk towards God, to realign, get rid of the potholes, allow God to fill you up, and he says, I will give you a chance to begin again. Confess and forsake. A do-over. You can begin again. Well, how do I do that? Well, all I can tell you is how I did it. I said, God, when I confessed to Sherry and my counselor about my gambling, I told my family, my church confession was good for a while, and then there was a lot of condemnation that came my way. But after a while, when I forsook the way and I turned around literally and went towards God, I went to counseling, I went to GA and all kinds of things. I did things to be realigned. Do you know what happened then? What the psalmist said, I received mercy. And in 2000, the year 2000, February of 2000, in our denomination, the board of ministry laid hands on me and said, you are now reordained. Dwayne, you can begin again. You can begin again. I don't care what your sin is. I don't care what your brokenness is. You can begin again. Maybe you're here today and you're discouraged because of a past sin and you don't think God can forgive you, but He can. Maybe you know that you've messed up your life. Maybe you're running into potholes all the time. Maybe you've had a recent failure of finances, a job, or a marriage. God's word for you today is, just like to the men on the road to Emmaus, you can begin again. There is a do-over for you. There are no dead ends with God. Ask for a second chance. Learn from your mistakes and realign with God's purpose for you. Jesus said when he was carrying the cross, he said, I will make all things new. Do you believe that? See, when he rose from the dead, he showed that he had power over death, over sin, over the grave. He said, I will make all things new. That all things means you today, right now. He says, I can make you new. Second Corinthians 5.17 in the message says, anyone united with Jesus gets a fresh start, is created new. Do over. We can begin again. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I'd invite you, everyone, to bow your heads just for a moment. And I just want to lead you in a prayer. Father, we thank you that you are the God that allows another chance. And for those of you who are believers here uh, this morning, I just want to tell you that no matter what, where you have failed or how you have failed, God says that you can have a second chance. So if you're a believer here today and you, and you want a second chance, 
Would you pray this prayer after me? Not out loud, but in the quietness of your own heart. This prayer. God, I want to begin again. I ask you for another chance. I desire to align my life with your purposes. In Isaiah 54, 7, it says, With deep love, God is speaking. I welcome you back. So if you're a believer and you want to realign your life with God, God's word to you is, Welcome home. Welcome home. But if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe this is all brand new to you, but you want to invite him into your life, you want to begin again, you want a second chance, can I invite you to pray a prayer with me again? Not out loud, loud, but in the quietness of your own heart. Would you pray after me these words? Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I want to be forgiven. I need a new beginning. I need desperately a do-over. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn toward you. I now invite you into my life. I trust you as my Savior and Lord. And I draw near to you. And thank you for letting me begin again. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. With your heads still bowed, each one, your eyes closed. I would just like to give you an opportunity to confess that. Not, not by getting up out of your chair, but simply by raising your arm, by raising your hand. If you prayed for the first time to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, for the first time, that second prayer, I want to know that so that I can pray for you. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And then when you do, do something that maybe take a little courage. I want you to look up and just make eye contact with me. No one else except the prayer team is going to be looking around. But just look up and make eye contact with me. So if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, would you please raise your hand and just look up and make eye contact with me right now? Yes. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes. God bless you, too. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise you. We love you. We ask you, Lord, to come into our lives to make us new, and thank you that you're giving us a second chance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.